everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. Julie, what do we talk about? Oh, we talked about everything from just crazy, ridiculous adventures to just, yeah. uh, I, we talked about everything. We talked about taking care of ourselves. We talked about really uncomfortable business things. Yeah, we did. Ah. I actually shared more on this podcast about my life than I've ever shared in like four different domains. I talked about the lessons I learned with integrity as a kid, trying to get myself fired from jobs. I talked about my relationship and the one thing that was missing that had the biggest breakthrough in my business. You talked about literally like willingly losing a half a million dollars and trying it again, just so you can keep going and the lessons learned. And I feel like what was really underneath it is like we hit like the secret thread of every successful entrepreneur and you can choose which level of the story you take and apply. But I guarantee, I will say this, in the intro, I guarantee that you will have a massive takeaway from this episode. Oh, yeah. Yes. Massive takeaway. Easy. Just, you should leave feeling really better about your life's journey so far, too. Yeah. And you'll even hear how I could tell Julie was extremely pissed off at me. So I made us all do breath work just so we could all be happier. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm known for being happy all the time. And I got mad at George. <laughs> So you'll hear about that and how I was afraid the rhino was going to plow me over. So I think that's good. <laughs> Let's get into the episode. Cue the intro now. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. Everybody, welcome back to another live episode. A live episode of the Mind of George show in Montana, just because... We had a day off and we're like, let's just all record podcasts in person. So today, I am stoked to be joined by the rhino herself. There's no better way to bring on this guest than to say that she is purely the rhino. She bleeds and oozes positivity, changes people's lives, and built a business around her body and has succeeded at a massive scale with the best positivity, mindset, love, happiness, joy, and optimism of anybody I know. So Julie, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here. I remember when I interviewed you and I said, one day I'm going to be on the Mind of George show. <laughs> this is that day. It is full circle. And it was quick too. It wasn't long. No, your podcast was really long with me. But, no, but it was. <laughs> we got jokes. We got jokes. When did we do that interview? That was last year. Okay. Late last year. So we'll work on your manifestation skills. We'll get it faster next time. <laughs> yes. I love it. So we're going to kick off the podcast in true fashion. And so I'm going to give everybody just a quick overview. So Julie helps people transform their lives, basically owns physical brick and mortar gyms in Vegas. And that comes with its own unique set of challenges and things. So I'm really excited to hear this answer. So when you look back at your entrepreneurial journey from what you were doing in the beginning and you started in entrepreneurship pretty young to now where you are now, what is the biggest mistake that you made in business and what was the lesson that you took from it? The biggest mistake? I thought you were going to ask biggest obstacle that I overcame. And so no, I was we did that yesterday. That one. Oh, man. Biggest mistake. I've made so many. I love all my mistakes. I go 100% though for all the mistakes I make. Like I, I drive at them 100 miles an hour. But so I wouldn't say that any of the mistakes I made, like I, I wouldn't want to take them back. So mm -hmm. let's just put that out in the universe. Totally. Because every single one 
taught me something, brought me to where I'm at today. But back before Spartan racing and Tough Mudder and all of that was a thing, I was always obsessed with obstacle courses. And so way back in 2004, I started my fitness business with an obstacle course. And it's because I wanted to go join the military because I hated exercise and I wanted a drill instructor to like make me work out so I could lose weight because I was really fat. And so anyways, fast forward, I wanted to put on an obstacle course race. And we finally did like the, one of the first Tough Mudders that came to the States. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's not enough obstacles. We went four miles without obstacles. And now they're legit. There's a lot more obstacles. <laughs> and I was like, we're going to put on our own obstacle course race. And unfortunately, I talked to the other optimist on my team, which is my cousin, Jathan. I didn't talk to my critic brother. And the reason I'm <laughs> calling him that is because of the dizzy method totally, we used yesterday. Totally. But Jathan and I, we were on a road trip, like doing a business thing, and we were 10 hours in the car together. And by the end of it, we were like, we're going to put on a hundred obstacle course race. It's going to be the coolest thing ever. I'm like, Jathan, how long would it take you to build a hundred obstacles? Because he was a contractor. He's like, I can build it in five days. And I'm like, and my other, my two brothers, they've always been there. So whatever mess I get in there, they Mm -hmm. help me out of it. So we built a hundred obstacle course race in five days in the middle of the desert, spent All my money went deep into debt thinking that I was going to make a million dollars because I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. (laughs) Didn't market it properly. And what I did market, it was too extreme. So I did put commercials out Mm -hmm. on TV. Actually, at the time, I I did try, but I marketed it as like the most extreme thing. Like it's impossible. Nobody can do it. And the percent of the population that wants to do something that is impossible for them is is, is pretty low. You want you want things that build you up. Yep, yep. <laughs> and and sure enough, I don't think we did have anybody except my brothers and my cousin able to complete it. Nobody else was able to complete it. <laughs> so I lost so much money. And so what do you do after you lose a bunch of money on an obstacle course race? You're like, do it again? I just need to do it again because not enough people knew about it. If I do it again. Yep. <laughs> And uh, the second one we did much better on. And then the third one, we had a whole nother set of problems. So that has to be. But now, like I'm thinking about, we set up a giant obstacle course at the Olympia show. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Olympia was bodybuilders. I didn't know that. <laughs> I'd never heard of the show. Uh-huh. And so they're like, hey, we're going to have 20,000 fitness enthusiasts. Do you want to set up a giant obstacle course? Our person who was supposed to set it up didn't show and so we set up a 24 foot tall 100 foot long crazy ridiculous obstacle course Mm -hmm. not only did nobody do it but I had spent all my money again (laughs) 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 went deep into debt again actually this was before the other obstacle course races I guess I don't learn and I'm just I love obstacles and so I spent all my money went deep into debt right before the Great Recession of 2009. Not mm-hmm. a single person. I thought everyone, had, I was like, man, we're going to have 20,000 people. We can't fit them all at $100 a piece. Like, we're going to have not one person. Not one. <laughs> not worse, one person. So yeah. you, you made a really expensive decoration for the Olympia. Well, then we had to at least do it for free yeah. so that we could at least do something. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to get a crowd over here. And once I get a crowd over here, then we're going to get people on this obstacle course. And so my brothers had spent all night setting up this obstacle course. There's a theme here. And my brother, John, he's this skinny kid at the time, and, and he's just adorable. And I'm like, I get on the megaphone and I say, if anyone can beat John Johnston on this obstacle course, I will give you $500. And I'm like, John, I don't have $500. (laughs) Guess who walks up? Some American Ninja Warrior. Freaking Flip Rodriguez. Was it Flip Rodriguez? And 
Evan Dollar, he was an American gladiator and an American ninja warrior. Walk up. Flip was the one who wore a mask all the yeah, time, right? I'm pretty sure. But it was at least Evan Dollard was definitely. Yep. And John, the he's he got traumatized that day because he knew his sister didn't have $500. And I didn't know what I was doing to him at the time. <laughs> he ended up, like, actually winning. Oh, he did? After being up all night, he did. And he has PTSD about it. He though. does. Like now, he's every time I get on a microphone, they freaking run. They're like, <laughs> we're gone. Like they literally, they pucker. Like they just like their whole body just goes into. Tense. Oh my god, I'm here yeah. for it. I'm so here those for are it. all, all mistakes. Traumatizing your family. They love it though. Like now, when they're talking in groups, they usually tell about all the trauma that they've gone through with their sister, <laughs> and her business. I love how you became the drill instructor. You're like, I want somebody to yell at me, so I'm just going to yell at everybody else. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was the worst. I'm not anymore because mm-hmm. now I understand we have to take care of ourselves. But back in the day, I had so many demons and I needed to lose weight and I love food and I wasn't going to give up my food, mm-hmm. but I was willing to torture my body and I attracted a whole bunch of people just like me. Oh, I, I had that phase too. I'm like, well, as long as I work out four times a day, I can still eat whatever I want and I'm dying and broken. Both on the inside and outside. I'm no. in the hospital with rhabdo. Oh, yeah. Never got rhabdo. I feel like I got close a few times. I did almost lose my legs. Uh, that, <laughs> usually I'm the one upper, George, but that you win that one. <laughs> you know, it is. But I, 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 mine was justified. I was getting paid to be in shape as a Marine. So it did happen on deployment. So it's technically my job. So there's my justification. It wasn't like a one-upper. I love it. So I'm here for the intensity of this. It's been an intense road the whole entire thing. I love it. I love it. And what got you started in all of this? Because I know like it came from your want to be in better shape and have a different life. And so are you like the most way, the most accountable I can be is if I launch my own gym? I had a business for four years. Okay. And I just, there was a day I woke up. Couldn't find any clothes that fit. Had to do the the rubber band hair tie around the button. Had to wear a jacket in mm-hmm. summer in, in Las Vegas because I couldn't button the top of my skirt. And I go to a client meeting and his name was Rusi Bostanjev. <laughs> and he was so intimidating. And I was just sweating. And I just, I was like, I hated myself. Just And because of how I felt inside and out, on the outside, I've always been a nice person. But on the inside... Everything was just, just annoying. Yeah. Every person, every situation, just always just critical on the inside, not on mm-hmm. the outside. Everyone's always, you seemed so nice. And I'm like, yep, on the outside. Yeah. A lot of us are capable of can't that. Those ones. You can't trust those ones. Can't trust those, those ones. Can't trust those ones. I just, I couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you grow up thinking you're going to do these amazing things and you hit a point in your life and you're like, this is what I've become. And now I rate my life on like 10 different areas and... 10 out of 10 were just miserable, just mm. abysmal, like relationships, like my, my, my family life because of the relationship I was in and because of the things that I had chosen. Like everything was hard. Everything was miserable. Yep. Just wanted to stay in bed or just do nothing all day and just eat or hide. And so that particular day, I, I heard on the radio coming back from that appointment, this doctor that like, if you pay him $500, he would help you lose weight. And it's like, he's a doctor. And Mm. I got starved and then I lost the weight and then I gained it back. And then another doctor told me my adrenals don't work properly and I produce too much cortisol and here's a bunch of pills and I never took the pills and it's just feeling so miserable that I'm like, it's not even, what if it's not possible? And I'm like, have I tried everything? And I'm like, I've tried almost working out once a month and that's not working out for me. (laughs) 
I've uh, tried eating two Philly cheesesteaks and a soda and fries for lunch. No, that's, not <laughs> that's not working. No, and then I, you know, tried the super strict diets that I fell off of. And I really did want to join the military like, yeah. just to cut. Because I'd, I'd seen friends come back like all skinny and disciplined. And I had, I felt so bad about the lack of discipline. Every night I would go to bed and I would like... Back then it was magazines. It wasn't YouTube. That's how long ago it was. (laughs) And I would like read these magazines and there'd be this like how to lose weight. And it'd be this skinny little perky girl. And she'd be like, eat half a chicken breast and a slice of tomato and for your lunch and do this like workout. I'm like, if I could do that. I wouldn't have this problem if like I could eat a half chicken breast. I wouldn't. Not have why I'm reading this magazine. <laughs> it's like, I can't. And the next day I'm like, this is going to be the day. And then I just wouldn't do it like day after day over and over. And so finally I was like, I, the only way I'm going to do this is if people are showing up mm-hmm. and I have to be there for them. Mm-hmm. And so I started, it was the first civilian boot camp of its kind. I'm sure there was other ones in other places, but I couldn't find one because I was going to take a second out of my house and go find one Got like it. to go join. I was like, I would pay $50,000 to go through a program that would help me lose the weight. And I couldn't find anything. So mm. I built so you my made own, your own, made my own. And I hired these amazing guys to go out in the park and torture us. And they were doing it the right way. But in my head, this isn't hard enough. Like I'm going to have to actually eat healthy and do the workout if I'm going to do it this way. So the next day, like I went, I'd gone to Home Depot and got buckets and filled them with water and had the telephone poles and we just suffered. I was like, this is going to be the thing. And then I'd put these little flyers around town and people would come for one day because the flyer. And then they're like, there's this little girl in a camel hat and a whistle and she's overweight and she's like never been in the military and she's yelling at me and throwing up. What is this? Are you throwing up in between yelling at them like go yeah. more? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I just saw like I saw a guy a couple years ago out and he's like, I know you. He said the last time I saw you, you were yelling at me and throwing up at the same time. I used to go train the cadets at UNLV. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thousand at a time. Like I'm noticing a trend here. <laughs> I am noticing a trend here. I was so happy on the outside. Yes. Yeah, you can tell. Well, you know, and I, I was like, oh, I got to put on the show. Like, yeah. You have to put on the show so that everybody will do the thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, it was probably me getting out my inner demons. and. So it looks you, like you got them out. You're really happy now. I'm so freaking happy. But it was not until about 2015 that I, like, it was the first evolution of the current happiness. And then mm. just recently, like, during the pandemic, the, the final evolution of today's happiness. Of today's happiness. Today's I think happiness. it's I think it's a journey. It's interesting, too, because I beat my bulimia by launching a public food blog. Because I was like, nobody can hold me accountable. That's how, basically, for me, I was like, no. And I'm like, here's the thing. I was in the military for 12 years. I, quote, unquote, had the discipline. No, like... No, the military is emotional abuse. And then the moment you're out of the container and you have a choice, you're like, no, screw that again. So it's probably better that you didn't go because plenty of fat people in the military too. You learn. You really do learn. But it's there's something about that accountability greater to something greater power, greater good, greater person, greater something that has always been, for me, the only ability that I've found when I'm really stuck that can keep me consistent. And I'm really curious to you because you got to that point where it sounds like one of your defining moments was like, okay, I can't be rubber banding my pants. I'm not wearing jackets in Vegas. And then you're like, I'm going to do something different. 
but then you pay this dude, you starve and you gain it back. Like that has to come with layers of frustration. And so what was the call to try again and try again? Like where did that resiliency or drive want to come from? Because that's happened to me and I'm like back in bed for another year. I'll keep the weight back on again. What was that? Like was it you had clarity that you wanted to be different? Were you just so disgusted that you were at this point in your life and you wanted it to look different? What was that kept you going? Because it wasn't like, oh, I made a decision. I lost the weight and kept it off. Like you lost it, gained it back, got another one. He starved. You're like, boom. What was that drive? Where'd that come from? What was that like for you? It had to have been awareness. I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to track what's going on. I'm going to track it. And I kept a calendar because I just, I watched my skinny friends and I felt like I was doing the exact same things as them. And here I'm like bigger. And then the doctors reinforced my thoughts that it was harder for me with Mm -hmm. all the things that they said. But I'm like, let me track. And I don't know where that idea came from, but I had a little calendar and I had stickers. Gave myself a sticker every time I worked out. (laughs) You get a star. And then I rated my meals, you know, mm-hmm. one to one to five. And every meal was terrible. I wasn't working. I felt like I was working out all the time, but I was mm-hmm. almost trying to work out for 10 minutes by running down the block and then it was too hot and I would come back home once a month. And I had, and I have always thought that I was decently intelligent, <laughs> never thought that I could be tricking myself in that way. Yep. And it all roads lead back to our brain and mindset and I always used to be so annoyed by anybody talking <laughs> to me about mindset meditation don't stillness. tell me what to do all the, th- <laughs> yes, all the things that now I'm so into but starting that first camp I just became obsessed I get obsessed with things and I was obsessed with obstacle courses and I was watching kids at a playground too one time and I was like if I could have fun working out then I would do it and somehow it turned into just being miserable every day with people but I had a lot of things going on mentally and Mm -hmm. after the the two hours of torture I would feel better every time and so for that first year people would come they would never show up again but I lost the weight yeah because it was the first time I had ever been consistent since I used to do sports in school like just cross country and track Mm mm-hmm but after that first year, I had only had one client and she'd paid me $100 total for an entire year. You talk about a <laughs> first <is> business, business year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Noticing a trend here. That's crazy. But, uh, but I knew that if she wanted it, if there's one person out of two million, I just had to find the rest. Mm-hmm. So a lot of roads lead back to mindset. A lot of roads lead back to marketing and finding my people. And so... I went on to Fox 5 and I told them that Channel 3 had challenged them to an obstacle course workout. And I told Channel 3 that Fox 5 had challenged them. I love this. And Channel 3, they, I don't know if they believed me, but they sent an anchor and a live reporter out for two hours. When you're in classes, I'm like, oh, 5 and 6 a.m. Begged my friends and family, please come and make this look like I actually have something going, please. And I set up this little obstacle course. And they came and they were the anchor and the reporter. They were all about it. They raced through the little things and and they interviewed me and I had 83 phone calls within two hours. And prior to that, people were just trying to sign up their bad kids to boot camp. I was trying to explain (laughs) that it's fitness for adult civilians. And it was hard. I probably spent a half a million dollars in the first few years just getting the word out about what it was. Drill instructor Julie over here in Vegas. Running rehab camps for troubled teens. <laughs> no, that is not what we're doing. <gasps> that is not. <laughs> I love, I got to give it to you though. I love, I love through all of that though, like the, the resiliency. I'm noticing a trend here 
where you're like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. And what I hear is even though the demons were there, the demons weren't you, right? There was something deeper underneath it. Cause I was the same way. Like I used to bond with people while suffering, even up until a couple years ago, like my wife would be like, I think you need to go to the pain cave. And I would go sit in my sauna for three hours and reinvent every ounce of the fabric of my existence to be able to sit in there. And it's, I wanted to quit at 45 minutes. I'm like, another two, another two. And it's, it was like, almost like I had to pressure the demons out. And uh, I just realized I could start doing that alone. And then once I got them out, I could really just be proactive about keeping them out. That was a better method. But I just love your resiliency. I love that you literally had the thought of, I'm going to call the two news stations and I'm going to throw a gauntlet down and tell them that they're challenging each other. I'm going to fill the park. That is probably one of the most genius guerrilla marketing tactics I've ever heard. I, I, it was Aaron Corby who just in passing told me to do it. Credit would cry. Yeah, but you executed yeah. on it. They showed up ready to go. <laughs> and so what happened after that? So you get it. You had 83 yeah. people call you and did they start filling your uh, now boot camp for civilian adults? <laughs> the flyers on doors and it, uh, it took off like a rocket. And then we had this, then you have the recession. You have the Mr. Olympia fiasco, the recession. And there's so many stories. But what, like one of the first stories when I was super young, just a few years in, I had the first clients sit me down and say, we're going to start our own thing. The same thing yep. as you. Just right down the street. And you can either let us buy 50% of your business for $30,000 because... I was suffering. Like I've always been a sufferer, not because what I was doing wasn't successful, but because I love spending money on new ideas. No. I love it. And I, I just spend it all. And then I'm like, crap. <laughs> 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 and so at the time I needed that money. And they're like, we'd love to work with you. They were salesmen. They were car salesmen. They're like, we know how to sell. You don't know how to sell. You're not very good at it. We'll blow this thing up. But I was like, I don't even want to talk to them right now. How can yeah. I be in business with them? And so sure enough, they started their own thing called Sin City Waste Trimmers down the street. <laughs> and I laugh now because at the time my world was destroyed, but I didn't act like it. Just yeah. kept doing my thing. Never talked about them. Acted like they didn't exist, but yeah. inside they existed. Oh yeah. And that was just the first of many stories. We had our own government start their own boot camps at the same time. So and locations as all of ours. We always had permits. I had a bunch of trailers traveling around. At one time, none of my staff knew how to haul trailers. So I was hauling them all at 2.30 in the morning before I taught a 5 a.m. class, then a 6 a.m. class, then a 9.30 a.m. class. Then I would work on the business and then teach a 6.30 p.m. class. We've all been there. And when our local government did that, they started their own and they called it a very similar name and they shut us down. Oh. And I went in and this was my first like just real big like kind of business government thing. And mm -hmm. I just I this finger had to be taken off and put back on. I just had the surgery. And I go in, my mom had to drive me and I go into the the park director's office and I say, "So here's the law that says that we can do what we are doing." He said, "I don't care about the law. The buck stops here. You'll never run your little boot camps in my parks." And I was like, what? <laughs> like it just, and so I won't tell the whole story, but I fought that for years. When you're in your 20s, you fight things just mm -hmm. because you're like, this, I'm right. <laughs> like, but it doesn't matter. Like years later, lots of money later, like it doesn't matter who's right or who's not right. In the or end, if, like, or if it's ethical or not. In the end, you've just got to, is this the best thing for me? And people told me, like, the amount of publicity we got back then, like people still know those stories. When mm -hmm. I go into entrepreneur groups, they're like, oh, we, you were in the front page of the newspaper. 
Like we were fighting the big fight. But then years later, we started our indoor facilities and, and never looked back. And so, man, I could have just done that a lot sooner instead of just fighting this fight. But I never had mentors, never had coaches. Well, I feel like, too, like it's easy to look back and like I could have. Yeah. I'm like, but it probably wouldn't have worked without the lessons <laughs> and the stories and the grit and the resistance and all of those pieces. But you said something a minute ago. I'm going to challenge you on your we've all been there. You have a deep sense, like a deep of commitment. Like you say, like we've been there. Like I haven't gotten up at 2.30 in the morning to drive a trailer somewhere. I sleep till 7.30, complain about my life. and be like, why isn't it happening for me? And no, I'm serious. Like you have this deep well of drive and it's really powerful. Have you always had that? Did, it, did you have it as a kid? Is it from competitions with your brothers? Is it, were you like that when you played sports? You know, like, Julie, that's not normal. And I mean that in the best way possible. Like, I really feel like you're a flipping rhino. The, the story is way worse than that. I was the girl who someone would say, hey, you want to be on the basketball team? Yes. Like I would say yes to, to everything just because I hit this point in my life where I was reading books and I was like, no, I want to be the people in the books. How do you do that? Okay. I say yes to everything that comes my way. So I was like 11, 12, 13. I don't remember. And so I got invited to be on the middle school basketball team, said yes. And they're like, okay, whoever wins the suicides is going to start in tomorrow's game. I would always win the suicides. And I would never play. And I would be the one sitting on the bench. And you have the warm-ups. And you're not cold. They don't know why you have to. You can't take your warm-ups off until you play. I was the only one who never played a single game because I wasn't that good at basketball. <laughs> but you could run suicides. <laughs> but I could run. I could <laughs> I could be more. I, my, my strong suit is being miserable longer than anybody else. That's my strong suit. So it's sad. But no, I wasn't the person that was just really awesome. I, I was the the person who was like okay I had a chemistry teacher brutal was brutal to me for three years like it is it like it, it would make me cry to tell the story and I kept going to her class for all three years because I wanted to like prove to her that no I'm like I'm a good kid and anyways later she said she was trying to toughen me up and that I was too like weak and she wanted to like make me strong or something but I was just I was raised to be humble and turn the other cheek and so she didn't see that actually I was tough and strong. Anyways, it's, it's like a weird little story. She was, she had a ski trip every year that she took everybody on who like passed the AP exam. I passed the test. She told the entire class, I usually take everyone on a ski trip, but because Julie passed the test, I would have to take her too. So we're not going on the ski trip. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> it's like, but I kept going to her class and I signed up to be her student aide because I'm like, oh no, once she gets to know me, she'll like me. <laughs> I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to unpack that. Like I'm just gonna, yes, I, I'm like I'm gonna have to call the holistic psychologist on this one. That's for Nicole's podcast. Like I'm just saying, hey Nicole, if you ever listen to my podcast, have Julie on and unpack that one for me because that one, that is the, oh man. So when you went from this is like literally my favorite podcast ever. Like I'm just over here for it, and I've got to watch you for the last three days in Montana. Just so everybody knows, Julie's in my mastermind as well. Like we work together, but I've got to watch you for the last couple of days and I absolutely love it. And and when you think back on that now, right, you're running the boot camps. <laughs> I'm dying right now. <laughs> but I have the question, I just can't get it out. You challenge the news channel, right? You get 83 people that call you. They start coming to their boot camps. When did you realize that you didn't have to puke in front of people anymore? Like, when did that shift happen? Like, when did you start to turn down the intensity? Was there a response them or did you always keep it or do you still have it? I feel like you're a lot, you're a lot more temperate now. I 
stopped coaching. Okay. And I started running the business. Okay. And I would get giant like corporate team buildings together and I would run those. But obviously you're not going to take, we had Patron and Paul Mitchell. We're not going to take his people. I feel like like you would. (laughs) (laughs) He was so gung ho. He was going on all the obstacles and just killing it. But so that was when the shift happened. And when the pandemic hit, like people used to love my old style. We don't do it anymore. Now Mm -hmm. we take care of people. Like Mm -hmm. we want people to feel better. We want to help them. And you you still get the benefits, the same benefits of exercise that's good for you (laughs) as you do like the torture and the telephone poles. And if anyone puts it down, we're going to do 100 burpees. You still get the same benefit. But I did workout fundraisers back in the first recession. and, And I brought it back again for people who had to quit because they couldn't afford their membership at the gym because of the pandemic. And I was like, we're going to do old school because people ask me for old school all the time. And I did this workout fundraiser and it was supposed to be old school. And I just, apparently I can read a room now. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not what any of these people need. We're just coming back from a pandemic. They don't need to have the old, you want to hear the old way I used to Of course I myself? do. Okay. So let's say I'm so here you're for this. brand new, yeah. right? You're brand new. I, w- I wouldn't really talk to you till we got started for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I'd seen it somewhere. So then I'd be like, all right, guys, time to get started. Gather up. So you're George, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, what's your name? George. I'm Julie. Nice to meet you. Here's the rules of boot camp. No walking, no whining. Go to the bathroom and get water anytime you want, but just run there. Work as hard as you can, as long as you can. And as long as you're miserable, then I'm happy. Let's do the mile warm up. <laughs> like that was it. And people stayed (laughs) for years, for years. But then I got this email. I got this email. And this girl emailed me and she said, and it was the first time that anybody ever told me. And she said, I need to cancel because on my, and so our marketing said, this is going to be the most miserable thing you've ever done. We're the (laughs) toughest. If you're late, you have to do push-ups. If you whine, you're going to be kicked out. There's no whining, right? There's no... (laughs) And she emailed me and she said, I read the rules, but I just, I felt so bad about myself that first day and I felt so alone and you didn't even introduce like yourself to me. You just told me like the rules and to go run a mile. And she's, I guess I'm just not tough enough and I'm so sorry. She was apologizing Mm. and my heart freaking broke. Yeah. And then my customer journey was made and then I started just like caring, like over caring for people. And I think... I felt like, I just felt like before, like they needed the drill instructor mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot of them benefited and loved it and stuff. But now I can, I know who needs what, like I know who needs what. You have an expanded yeah. range, right? Yeah. Like you can meet and go. It's funny. It's, I don't even think how similar you and I are. <laughs> I really don't. If you, when you come to the office, like the, our actual office, I have my military plaque, my shadow box up there, and it says, Staff Sergeant George Bryan, blah, 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 blah. My nickname is the PT Devil. <laughs> I was nicknamed the Physical Training Devil by my colleagues, my peers, my Marines, and my bosses, and I was sadistic. Like, I'm sitting over... This is the quietest I've ever been on a podcast because I'm like, I'm listening to myself in... Julie, right now, I was like, we might have been separated at birth. I might be adopted. I don't know. I might be related to your brothers, but I know exactly what that feels like. And and I feel, and I don't know why, but for me, like I've experienced a lot of trauma in my life and none of the normal outlets ever touched me. It was like, I would do things that would make other people feel good. And 
it just wouldn't do anything for me. It was like I had a high stimulus that caused the trauma and it was like I needed a high stimulus to get it out. And so my boss would be like, hey, train the Marines. I'm like, cool. And I was like, hey, guys, see that hill? They're like, yeah, I'm like, we're going to play on it. They're like, cool. And they're like, for now, I'm like, and I'm like, cool. And then like lunging backwards up it, like bear crawling up it, fireman's carries down it, walking lunges down it. And like I got in trouble because later in the day, my boss is like, hey, um, they can't walk. And I was like, I can. He's like, you have to do it with him. I'm like, I did. And I was like, and I did it before them too, because that's how I can do it with them. And I wore it as a badge of honor forever. And I was the same way. I'm like, I will outsuffer you. I will outlast you. I was like, nobody thought I was good enough. I'll show you. I never got picked. I got bullied. I had my front teeth knocked out three times, like broken nose. I was the only white kid in my class and nobody ever picked me. And I'm like, cool. Thanks for teaching me how to suffer. <laughs> Because I will outlast all of you. And I even brought it into the strongman comps. And I'm like, I'm going to tear something if somebody doesn't break. And I I feel like people just knew. And they're like, I'm not going to outlast him. And then it became a mental game. Because I'm like, no, I just want you to know if you're willing to rip your bicep, I'll rip mine more. And they're like, nope. So I just started to win by default. Like, I don't even know if I had the capacity. But like, I'm sitting over here and I'm like, oh, man, (laughs) this is what I used to sound like. You, you get to a certain point where you have this reputation and then everybody, like, they can beat you, but they have it in their head that they can't yeah. because of the story. Totally. And so then I would just sprint past people holding my breath and tell them, good job. And they would just crumble. And I'm like, you could have beaten me. <laughs> like, in my head, you could have beaten me. But I love these stories because so one of our, our local executive producers at Fox 5 burst a blood vessel in her eye backwards crab crawling so feet first up the hill yep. with a log in her lap yes and it was one of my signatures and I would do all four classes and do every single thing with them and something that you were doing with the men yesterday reminded me of some of the stuff I used to do I used to go hide my truck I had a giant truck with logs and tires in the back and the rhino on the side and it was a camo wrapped <laughs> truck I loved camo like <laughs> I had camo everything and I would hide it in the desert with ropes off the front. And I would say, all right, guys, we're going to go for a warm-up jog. We're just going to have a great workout today. And we'd start running, and we just wouldn't stop running. And we'd just be running, and nobody would ask. Everybody knew, like, no whining. I even used to say to my rules, like, if anyone asks, why are we doing this? Then we're going to do it longer. Don't ask why we're doing this. And so then I'd be like, Oh, look at that. There my truck is in the middle of the desert. What is it doing there? We got to pull it back, guys. We'd pull that truck all over town. One time there was flash flooding, like bad. And we had a reservoir next to the park. And yeah. it was bad flash flooding. And this is messed up. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you it's messed up. Nobody's ever died doing my programs, by the way. That, I love the disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you Thank even goodness. have to say that. We've had some close calls, okay? Mm. But anyways, I just told him with a super straight face. I was like, all right, guys, we have a Tough Mudder coming up, and we need to get prepared. We need to get mentally prepared, physically prepared. I know it's raining right now. There's flash flooding in the reservoir, which is the perfect opportunity. Grab your water bottles. We're going to go find a flash flood, and we're going to train in it. They all grabbed their water bottles, and I was like, Julie, you are terrible. And I was like, just kidding, guys. Like, just kidding. And I was like, Like, all of a sudden, in that moment, I was like, I need to be more careful because they trusted me, and I hadn't broken their trust, and I never did. Mm -hmm. But I was like, 
Guys, flash floods are awful. You see the billboards. Stay away from flash floods. Don't let some psycho girl. Yeah. When you're doing it with them, it feels a little safer. Totally. But we I, did some crazy things. I'm just, a lot of this lands for me. <laughs> I know it does because I saw a glimpse. I saw a glimpse. But like I, and I think the worst part for me is I was rewarded for it. Like, um, I was, I had Marines underneath me. They'd, like, make jokes, but they all secretly loved it. They're like, these dudes are – they can fight. Like, they can do it. Like, you're not – and I'm like, I would break – because we have rules. Like, we have rules of the weather outside. Do you have, like, training parameters, like, what you can do? And I was like, don't tell me what to do. I was like, if I do it – and my rule was really simple. If I was willing to do it, then they could all do it. Yeah. That was my rule. And I was like, so I'm going to give you a taste of my demons. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe I'll transfer some of them. I – even in Afghanistan, we were doing burpee three miles, burpee broad jumps for three miles. I'm like, it's 125 degrees at 4,000 feet. And I'm like, oh, we haven't slept in like a week. I'm on two pots of coffee a day. And I look at one of my Marines and he's like, you can't beat me. I'm like, oh, let's go do a burpee three mile. He's three. Yeah. And I'm like, and then we'd all bring him out. And it was like, oh man, we did three, four mile tire flips. Like it was nuts. I've never talked about any of this. <laughs> any of this <laughs> and now i'm sitting over here just like loving my dad bod and i'm like i'm here for it like i'm here for all of it i'm glad i got that out like i feel it really is interesting i feel like i as i walk i've obviously coached a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people and i'm like i feel like we all have the outlet all of people get obsessive about writing or about reading or about to where it's at the same extreme and for me the only stimulus that ever really landed was physical movement but I feel like it was actually really cathartic and it was really good. And I feel like it's the fastest way to really find your range. But man, I totally relate to everything you're the, saying. The problem Julie. is it wasn't enough. Like it was never enough. Totally. And so once we got to 24 hours out in the elements with our rucks and doing the 24 hour challenges and killing and eating a rattlesnake and where does this end? And yeah. the moment where I was at, so I have, like, I'm always at my parents' house or, with my brothers and I'm always excited about something. Yeah. And I was excited because my members were excited about an idea I had. And the idea was to do a hell weekend. Mm -hmm. And it was where, and I was always upfront about everything. This yeah. is going to be miserable. And I thought that I was like, okay, I told them. Yep. <laughs> and they signed up for it. And so I wanted to do a hell weekend where we picked everyone up in a bus. They had a list of the things that they needed. They didn't know where they were going. And we were going to have a bell. Mm-hmm. And my dad said some of the wisest words he's ever said to me. He said, you're going to take your best clients, like your absolute best ones, the ones who you've changed their lives. They're a team. Like you have the camaraderie, like they're happy, they're healthy, and you're going to go hurt them. Yep. Yep. Because these are not 18-year-old men in the military. Mm-hmm. These are tough. Oh, my rhinos are freaking tough. Oh, I like, know. They are so tough. They mentally tough. They love each other. They're just fierce. And- they would have done it and, and they, they would have done it till their bodies broke. And luckily my body broke because I was the leader. I was doing four times as much as anybody. Totally. So luckily my body broke, ended up in the hospital. They said that I was close to kidney failure or whatever with the rhabdo. And that was when I was like, okay, yeah. like I want to live. But I was still miserable because I was still eating like crap. Yeah. Like I eat like crap for the first 11 years of owning my mm -hmm. gyms and, and my fitness businesses. And whenever someone would try to tell me to eat healthier, I would be like, let's go race right now. Let's yeah. go. Like I had never uh -huh. been beat in like a wall sit or a six inch ab hold, like the things mm -mm. that were long and miserable. I had never been beat. Now, now somebody that 
the guy over there probably beat me. In totally. <laughs> I did wall sits the other day. They were humbling, actually. <laughs> I, I was like, man, I ain't like I used to I be. <laughs> yeah, we did them in class, and I was like, and they brought me a whole stack of weights because you add a 10 plate every 30 seconds. And they're like, here, Julie, you're going to need all these weights. I didn't need very many. You're like, just give me my water bottle. I'll take that today. <laughs> I have. I don't have anything to prove yeah, you that know, way anymore, though. You and I have. It's. I get it. I get yeah. why we drive so well. Because even when I almost lost my legs, it didn't change anything. It made it worse. It made it worse because it was 2005. I got exercise-induced compartment syndrome bilaterally. That's worse than rhabdo, so you win. They misdiagnosed it as shin splints, so I stayed in country for six more months, Jeez. flew home. They did an MRI, and they're like, you have blood clots everywhere. I was in surgery like four hours later. And like I flew from Somalia back to North Carolina with blood clots. Oh, I was like, lucky to be alive. Do the surgery. <clears throat> they get out. They do a partial release. doesn't work, but it takes 30 days to realize it doesn't work when I have four more surgeries. And then so I end up in a wheelchair for... Mm, close to nine months close to nine months addicted to opiates got a pca pump every six minutes like for 90 days i just had a pca pump into my spine patient controlled anesthetic for anybody listening so i just hit a button every time it hurt every time it hurt and so then i gained 100 pounds it was like 260 pounds at five seven on a good day i'm probably five seven because i weighed so much i was probably five eight before i got fat and then it just the weight helped shrink my <laughs> spine so now i'm five seven <laughs> serious <laughs> i got shorter somewhere in my career and i got to the end and they were like i'd been on limited duty for 12 months and they're like hey uh we're putting you up for a med board like you're done and i'm like i've been in the military since 2002 and i was like oh where am i gonna go back to the place that i left with drugs and abuse and that i ran away from that i literally have nothing and i was like so i was more scared of getting out than staying in and I was like, what's it going to take? And I still was barely walking. And they're like, you have to be able to run a physical fitness test in 30 days. And that meant I had to do at least three pull-ups, which that was never hard, 100 crunches, but I had to run three miles in under 28 minutes. And I had not walked in, I don't know, maybe nine, 10 months. And I was in physical therapy. Pull-ups were easy. Crunches were easy. I cried for three miles. And I was like, I'm doing permanent damage of surgeries, but I had to make it. I made it like 27 minutes, but it like lit something in me. And I was like, I was petrified to get out. So a year later, I was running three miles in 16 and a half minutes. And I'm not a runner. You can tell my body is not built for running. It's mm -hmm. built to be a rhino or a linebacker. Yes. And I just started finding the drug in it. And I actually, my like full physical fitness addiction started after the injury. Because before I was like, oh, I went to boot camp. Like I did this. I would lift. I'm like, oh, I was into bodybuilding kind of, right? But it was when that happened, that was the catalyst for the addiction. And that's when the orthorexia started. And that's when it got crazy. And then it wasn't until I got my, I don't know, seventh traumatic brain injury. And it really started. To, and this was after I was a competitive CrossFitter and everything that it was like the toll all took up the surgeries, started herniating. Like I have a hernia in my leg that's been there for eight years. And it all started to unravel because it took that long, eight years for the culmination of what I had done to catch up with me. And then that's why I was medically separated. And so instead of then being like, oh, let me get better. I was like, well, I'll become a food blogger. And then I got obsessed about food, but I was still bulimic. Like I was not practicing paleo. I was making paleo recipes to hide. And then I was purging before I gave keynotes on loving your body with food. And I'm like, 
authentically. And it took me being in that space, like the same thing. I'm like, oh, watch. And I would still smoke check everybody. I'm crossfitting. I'm doing whatever. And I was like, try me. And it, it, for me, the catalyst was the emotional break. It wasn't the physical one. I felt like the physical one, the probably the downside of the military is they taught me more of my capacity to suffer because there were points I thought I was going to break and then it unlocked this new level. (laughs) And you're like, oh, I didn't know this part of the game. I don't know if it's good. I know this part of the game exists. Like I had to go get into some deep shadows to find this level. And I was like, oh, but I can get here. And so it was actually the emotional part. And it was my wife. It was really my wife. I met my wife at a CrossFit competition. I didn't know that. So she, Life as RX hired me as a friend. My friend Marcus owned Life as RX. Oh, and he said, hey, man. will you photograph the event for me? I lived up the street. And I was like, so I'm photographing it. And then my wife is competing with my buddy Phil, who I was a training partner with. And I didn't really know where I thought they were dating, but it didn't stop me from taking one too many pictures of her. And she, I actually still have the picture on my phone. The first picture I ever took of my wife was the day we met. Wow. And uh, it was like her first and only competition. She was like a CrossFitter. Yeah. And they're like, do this. And they're like, do overhead squats at 85 pounds. And she'd never done an overhead squat oh before. Oh, goodness. Like you can even imagine. And so that's actually how we met. But we met and then didn't date. <clears throat> I was in a toxic relationship. So was she. Uh, but she just wasn't having anything other than like the best and the best being integrous and yeah. healthy and non-narcissistic and non-gaslighting <laughs> and all the pieces that everybody should wait for um, yes. and protect with. And it was really interesting because I would show up the same, but it, I wasn't rewarded for it. I wasn't seen for it. Like she didn't see me because I could outperform or I could outwork yeah. out. And it was like so subtle, but it was like just making chinks in the armor and then I would try to hold on more. So I would go train more and then compensate more. So then I would be more egotistical, more self-centered and all of it. And then I lost her. She left me. And uh, my wife left me twice. And uh, it was when she left me the second time and said, I'll never see our daughter again. And I've never talked about this. I'll never see our daughter again. And she changed her numbers and don't ever come see me again. And I, was, I thought we were done. But there was something in me that I was like, we're not. I was like, but it's not going to come from doing what I've been doing. And I dove deep that's the day I started personal development work and uh, and that wound opened up the trauma wound opened up the death wound the suicide wound the addiction wound the it basically opened up everything back to the first abuse at three and then the sexual abuse and then the this and then the this and it was a catalyst and it was like now I see why I have a capacity to suffer and what I was trying to suffer from feeling and uh, we I'll tell the story of how I got my wife back because I didn't get her back by getting her back. I got her back by letting her go. But now we have a beautiful family and we're there. But I really get it. And I had no clue this is where we were going today. This I, is so good. You asked me what we were going to talk about. And I'm like, like, I don't oh, know. It's going to happen, whatever it is. <laughs> and it's really, I look now and like, obviously, April was here earlier. Just so everybody knows, <laughs> the last episode you heard, we recorded an hour before this one because we're all partying in person together right now because we just finished the mastermind before Julie's going to crush a keynote for the public event tomorrow. But we were talking about like the power of story. And it's really what I applaud you for and I love is that your ability through all of that and all of that suffering and all of that stuff, your just willingness to continue to go. And always find the optimism to always find the positive and be like, I was that way and I did do that. And it's inspiring how much you own your truth 
And I feel like it's a testament to like why you do what you do and how you attract people and, and what you do. And so I can totally see it now. I totally see all of it. I've always thought everything I was going to do was going to be awesome. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> because I always, everything I've ever done was because I needed it first. <laughs> totally. Like So my worst place in business, I've had a lot of bad business places no. all brought up. No, I, I no. love that I brought them on myself, though. I yeah. love that it wasn't some external thing. Totally. It was always me and my decisions. But we were $150,000 in debt, and I was sitting at my kitchen table, and I had negative $13,000 in my checking accounts, like negative 13000 And I had $22,000 in payroll by Friday that I had to make. And I hadn't been eating healthy yet. Like, I hadn't even tried that. I, hadn't, I was still just working out really hard. And I was like, what haven't I tried? What haven't I done? Just sitting there at my kitchen table and I was eating a pound of Jelly Bellies. I know because they're expensive. And I'd eat a pound every night <laughs> of Jelly Bellies. I love them. I want to tabulate what your yearly expense was on a pound <laughs> of Jelly Bellies today. It's 365 pounds of jelly beans a it's year. It's freaking, that's a lot. If not more. It's a lot. Because I have a feeling there were a couple, oh, I'll have two a pounds pound today. Yep. I would go up to a pound and a half. Absolutely. Because I was like, well, I need to buy enough for a few days so I don't have to go back to the Jelly Belly store like every day. And then I would be finishing. Do you go the store where they sold them in bulk and you could fill your bag yeah, with the colors the like the m&m colors. store oh you live in vegas that and makes then sense i liked mixing the different colors mm-hmm. yeah and, and making different flavors and amazing but it was that moment where i realized that the one thing i hadn't tried in my business and the one thing i hadn't tried personally was nutrition mm. because i'd always resisted i like i started my business so i wouldn't have to eat healthy yeah like and, but i could still lose weight yep. but then when you hit 30s and i was running my businesses at the time like i was watching everyone else work out but i couldn't as much And I was like, I'm going to have to freaking do the nutrition part if I want to like, and I'd gained 18 pounds and I was broke, like just low point relationships, just a low point again. And so I started our nutrition program and I hired like this lady, she was the best to teach me how to facilitate it. And it took four rounds of the program for me to actually join the program. I was standing in the front of the room telling everyone, we're going to do this together. And then I'd be super transparent. I didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) But they would do it. (laughs) You're going to love this, actually. So that when I needed that money, I borrowed $20,000 from somebody. It it was a friend, but it was a 10% interest, and I had to give four free gym memberships for two years. It was a friend. And you don't like giving out free gym memberships. (laughs) No, not anymore. I used to have 74 free people at my gym back in the day. I was trying to save the world, didn't understand business. But I was like, what can I do? So I had $20,000, but I had 13,000 in the hole and 22,000 in payroll. So I was like, what can I do within the next few days that I've never done before that's needed that I need? And, and what would guarantee me to make money? And I was like, if I did a challenge, there was a nutrition challenge and I charged $300 and I told them they would all get it back at the end of it. If they completed it, then I would get money. I got $15,000 and I got a hundred percent graduation on that challenge. So all of them got their money back, but it bought me six weeks, but they all became members because Mm. it was like, it was so good. And so like fixing the nutrition, both for myself, for my business, like adding it to my business. That was really like, I pulled myself out of $150,000 in debt using Mike McAllowitz's system. Profit first. And it was freaking nutrition. And then the next big one was meditation like mm-hmm. nutrition and meditation the two things that instant annoyance if someone would have brought up my eating habits or hey julie you really need to slow down or you're going to hit a wall mm-hmm. but in 2019 i was in the hospital hopefully for the last time and it was just from stress yeah like 
full-on symptoms thought I had MS or carotid artery blockage. And that was recently. I know. And I'm not doing that again. I feel like even since we've known each other, you're a different human being. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to witness. It's interesting about what you just said. It's like nutrition was the one thing, nutrition and and meditation. I feel like it's always that one thread that annoys us because mine was feeling and measuring. That was it. Those were my two because every time I'd be like, what are you doing? I would live in the ambiguity so I could go be in my addiction of speaking or doing or closing and I would be, I'd make good money at it but I would never put anything measurable or anything consistent. And then I would avoid feeling by chasing all of that stuff and those were the two for me. It was feeling and it, it was really being able to measure it. I avoided feelings too. I, I didn't think about that. I, I would go without crying and be so proud of it. Yep. Go years and years and years without crying. And yep. I learned to cry over the, and a lot of that, like you were one of the first people I interviewed over the pandemic when our gyms were shut down and it was just a whole bunch of just difficult stuff. I interviewed 27 successful people for the Vegas Rising Summit. You were one of them. Mm-hmm. And every single one of you guys, but like mostly you were a big factor. That's why I joined your mastermind. Totally. Like meditation, stillness, and I had read the Miracle Morning. Mm-hmm. House like, a good okay. dude. Okay, and so I've been doing it. Just, I've been doing it. And you're right. I can have happiness. Like I've had some pretty bad moments. Like my freaking dog bit me. Things like that. Dog bite is gnarly. <laughs> um, that is not a dog bite. That is, I get attacked by a great white in the body of a dog. Yeah. Like. He was choking. I was trying to save him. Don't do that with a German Shepherd mix. But in those moments when you're with your podcast with Alp. Yeah. Finding happiness in every moment. And I was able to do that. And for anyone listening, hearing that like nutrition and meditation saved my business, exercise is always my number one, but I was already doing that. Totally. But exercise, exercise is what fuels you to want to fuel your body. It's, It's what like exercise is my number one waters right there i feel like more than exercise and nutrition and meditation i feel like what it really is consistency yes it's adherence if you don't adhere to it totally because like your race car you pick your analogy right like it's the the five alex calls them the five core functions of business but we don't spend enough time on the five core functions of us like sleep water nutrition movement self those are really like what they are yep and in all of them, like self and yeah. me, me be avoiding feeling, right? And like they're and they're all parallel. And I feel like I'm so stoked on the last three days that we've spent together because we unlocked a lot for people, myself included. And really though, when you really start to unlock it, it always comes back to the most simple things. And it's and by the way, we came up with some genius shit for your business ah, yes we did I'm yes like... we did so for those of you guys listening george bryant's mastermind <laughs> come to his in-person event it's okay if you hate the first two days don't you dare leave because <laughs> the third one <laughs> i was writing in my journal and i'm like day one okay i don't remember day one day two i didn't like it but there were these unveilings of absolute genius on day two. And then day three, because of the work of the first two days, mm-hmm. because of that work, that's when day three's amazing ideas came out. And I was in the hot seat and I, I told everybody my dream for my gyms and everybody was just throwing out ideas. And I believe it was Brad Costanza who mm-hmm. said, what if you did a workout and we're doing, this is why I'm talking about it. We're going to do it. You had a workout where you had 
guest speakers and maybe they rotate and everyone's working out and you have the speaker motivating you mm-hmm. while you're working out and it would be speak and then you said speaker fit yep and i said it's happening and i was just like <laughs> yeah. jumping around and then you started playing it was welcome to the jungle and I the did. rocky soundtrack I and <laughs> oh, i was just so just i i have yep i have the domain name we're we're going for it and but what was really cool about the last three days is I have built my perfect little world and I live mm-hmm. in it. And we were in an Airbnb and I had four other people who I had never met before. Mm-hmm. My, and we had three out of four nights, not enough sleep because of unforeseen things. Yep. And we're eating out and it's snowing outside. So normally I just run down the street, no yep. problem, get my workout in. And so I've my routine's been rocked and it's been amazing because I've noticed that even when I don't have my standbys, the breath work, whenever you did the breath work, I would be back. Yep. I would come in and I, I don't ever have a bad attitude. No. Nope. Hardly. Like I, I, I'm really excited about just about everything all the time. I had some little bad attitudes. <laughs> And then you do the, luckily you'd start the thing with breath work or else. I determined when we do breath work based on your mood. I was like, Julie's looking a little (laughs) colder than normal. I'm like, let's go breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because maybe you can smell it. You can. But I'm always, I'm I'm the happy, super awesome one. But then I have triggers that when Mm -hmm. they're freaking triggered, let's just not. Yeah. Let's just not. No, I know. Let's just I love it. Don't tell me what to do. But I think, I might have said that. (laughs) <laughs> don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I've never had a job. Like don't, I've always oh no. had my own thing and Employable. myself into my own trouble. I've been fired. I think I've been fired from every job I've had. And <laughs> if I couldn't get fired because they had a high tolerance, I would do something that made them fire me. Like I was like, it was like, even as a kid, like I would avoid social services and all the bullshit that was happening in my nasty family situation and so I work at pizza places and I loved it I loved it because I got to eat unlimited fat food I didn't have to pay for it and I was fat as a kid that's my eating disorder started but I hated being told what to do and so I would talk back and I hated authority because I I had a parents that were really sick and obviously I talk about my family situation very differently now than I did back then because I have empathy but addicts and addictions and things like that so it wasn't like rainbows and unicorns and so I was like don't tell me what to do like they tell me what to do and that's where it's coming from I'm like good luck trying to tell me what to do so I'll be in office and like other employees the bosses I'm like F you I'll do it my way and boom but some of them had a high tolerance. And I will tell you all the people, and I'm Nick, if you ever listen to my podcast, I love you. I'm still friends with these people that own these pizza shops, like 25 years later. And I made right on everything, but they were Greek. And they would like verbally abuse each other. So as this little snot-nosed 15, 16-year-old kid, I'd walk in and they just didn't care. They would just let me be a shit. And then they're like, work. And I would be cussing them out, slicing tomatoes and making me. And I'm like, F you. And they're like, they wouldn't fire me. So I'm like, fine. I just start stealing money. Oh, my goodness. And I didn't have any. I was poor. And I couldn't steal. So I started stealing money. And he's like, caught you on camera stealing money. And he fired me. I gave him the money back. I gave him the money back. I didn't even use it. I was like, that's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. But then I'm like, look, I can get any job. I was 15. I became an assistant manager at KB Toys. And then I was like, these toys are cheap. This isn't cool. So I would just start discounting people's toys because I'm like, they shouldn't be paying this much. That's a return. Like, <laughs> I got fired from that job. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> so I'm joining any, the Marine Corps. If, if anyone is listening right now and maybe you're listening to this podcast because somehow you're like, oh, Julie's on it and I don't know who George is. 
the reason I'm in George's mastermind is because you are the most trustworthy mm-hmm. purse internet man. Internet man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that story last night. <laughs> and and like now we know that we can trust you. Yeah. Like we just know it. And yeah. everybody that you bring in to the mastermind and to it, like, like the trust yeah. is there. So just yeah. anybody listening, they, they need to know that part. Yeah. But up until 25, I was under the rule of other people. Yeah. So I was like married, weird don't even want to talk about that but uh, when I hit 25 that's when the like freedom mm-hmm. just and that's why I'm so freaking happy all the time is because I know what it's like to not totally. have freedom to be under somebody's rule and to not get to make my own decisions and totally. so now every day that I have a choice I'm just so happy and so excited but then when I feel like I didn't put the things into play like someone else put the things into play and I don't exactly know what's about to happen Mm -hmm. it's really hard for me yeah as I learned yeah the last few days I was I was (laughs) I I was like that till about three years ago and then I got really deep into this work and this work being like I do deep men's work and breath work and you want to really get into it do a silent retreat that's when that's when you really like just challenging that and things like that but you know what I, I say that I joke about like that as a kid because in how I grew up, there's always been this like thread of integrity that like I had it and I couldn't even steal money to steal it. I just had to give it back. And like when they're like, are you discounting toys? I would tell them I'm like, yeah, because they're cheap. And the manager was like, I actually agree with you. But I ha- and it was like I stood for principle of what was there. But I will say like the gift of the military, there was there's parts of it. And I'll just say it like when you come from like a happy home You don't, like, I'm going to go kill people. Like, it's not an organization that's built on, like, full tanks and healthy childhoods. It's built on pain and damage that can be exploited and amplified to do something with. And that's not, um, I'm not for or against any of it. Like, I did what I did. I love it. I did my deployments. I did all of it. But it also gave me a perspective of discipline and, like, my ability and my strength. And, like, I realized, like, through all of it that I was just, and it's, I got to full circle this. Like, I would steal because they were too accepting of me even being brash and I couldn't push them away, which meant they liked me and accepted me, which means I would have had to feel normal mm. and feel welcomed and feel loved. And it's like that feeling thing. It's the same thing. It was like everything. It was like, I'm going to punish myself because I'm afraid to just be and feel loved and do all of it. And it's really interesting when you like unpack most entrepreneurs, like what you find underneath them. But I don't know. I just think it's a beautiful gift that we get to play this game. I really do. And I am so incredibly proud of you for three days and like everything, even since the day that I met you, like I loved our interview and I was like, your energy is amazing. And then I was like, and why are you wasting it on other people? (laughs) I was like, stop giving all of it away. Stop wasting money. Give it where it needs to go. But what I love about you so much, Julie, is you always, you, it's, you're an eternal optimist because you know what freedom is like now. And you're like, I'm never going to quit. I'm always going to find a way and you care about people. You put your heart in front of everything and you sit here and you joke about, oh, I lost a half a million dollars and I did a lot. And it's just a testament to like who you are. And I really want to thank you like publicly, like the last three days, like we had 15 people in a room and we worked on our businesses, but it doesn't look like everybody always thinks it does. And like your willingness to play and your willingness to push and your willingness to grow and expand your range, it was just beautiful. And because of how you showed up, it pulled me to show up differently and everybody else in the room and your excitement. And by the way, I need everybody to picture this. I just knew how to punch Julie's ticket. And there was this moment of imagine 
two and a half days, 12 hour days. And I was pretty light. We didn't have crazy work. We did 8.45 in the morning till about 6 p.m. And I've done 7 a.m. till 9 p.m. And so I was like, we had a really good group. It was small and intimate, but it arcs. And my events arc and they're arced on purpose and they're designed like that. And then on day three, like Julie, like you can see her light bulb, like just full and like it's going to explode. And she's getting these moments and she's bouncing. And so I very secretly, when she's getting happy, I put Eye of the Tiger on and she can't help it. Literally, it's like it programmed you and took over. She starts jumping, punching the air. And I was here for it. And then I even had to go to Guns N' Roses and Welcome to the Jungle. And I was like, that's the next one. And I love it. Like everything that we came up with, I'm stoked on the speaker fit, like everything you got, your gym, the marketing, everything. It's going to crush. I I can't wait. And that like day three, you kept telling me, Julie, day three is going to be amazing. And I trusted you and it was, (laughs) it was amazing. And thank you for giving people what they need instead of what they want. Because if you just give us what we want, then you're just taking our money. And giving us what we want. Mm-hmm. But giving and then us I'd be what... doing what you told me to do, and I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it works out for both of us. Because yeah. yeah. I don't like it, so yeah. I do something different. You don't like it, you do yeah. something different, and we both end yeah. up winning. And it's the same with what I do. Like, eventually, they will get everything that right. they want. But I know mm-hmm. that something restrictive or something like that doctor gave to me, like, the, the results are just fleeting. Totally. And I've been in this business 16 years, so I know. And you've been in your business, and you've been doing the work for so long. So you yeah. knew that those first two days were needed. So I'm thankful. And I'm also thankful that I could just be honest and just tell you in the middle of the mastermind. Because I, I wasn't going to bring it up. And I was avoiding eye contact with you. I, I wasn't going to make eye contact with you because I was like, I'm going to give George the message that if he doesn't want to hear, because I'm not going to say something like super mm-hmm. positive right now. So mm-hmm. he needs to not call on me. Mm-hmm. Then George just fearlessly calls on me. and is, So what did you think of that? And I was like, cool. And I just said, exactly. Like not, I wasn't negative, No. but I just said, and, and then we talked it through and it was amazing. And then it turned my experience into something amazing because I was able to talk about it. And I loved it. I truly love your authenticity and I was here for it. Like I was here for it. It was great. And nothing was too bad. It was just, I get excited about business. I love talking business. I want to do business and clarity has to come first. And George knows how to get the clarity first. And it's not in in the way that you would expect, but it works. It It absolutely works. Somehow it all works. And all of our stories and all of our past like leads Mm -hmm. to these moments on both sides. And it was amazing. I'm going to rapid fire you. Sure. And by the way, thank you for bringing all the brilliant minds in the room. Of course. That was, that's the, I think that's one of the coolest things about you is that you bring brilliant minds together. That's so fun. It's my favorite part. Yeah. I get to hang out with my so friends. Fun. So fun. I was like, Lindsay, who's coming? Like, all my friends. And then they're texting me this morning. Uh-huh. Like, all of them texting me this morning. They're like, I am so full. Can we do another day? Like, how do I get back? I'm like, join yeah. the mass run. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. okay, okay, okay. I'll be there. I'm like, yeah. you're welcome at every one of them. Every yeah. one of them. And it, it really is it really is a, a beautiful thing to intentionally create a container with people like you. Because all of us come. Like, everybody has to be willing to play. Yeah. And when you come not even like willing to win or give it your all, but just willing to be open and be like, let's try it. When everybody brings that energy and you set an intention together, there's no way it ends bad. It's when there's always an ulterior motive or an agenda or a manipulation or uh, if you saw the schedule I made versus the schedule you got, <laughs> you'd be like, whoa, <laughs> two different events, like years apart. And I was like, because I had to go through them. Like, this is what I think. This is my intention. This is what I want them to get, how I want them to get there. And then, I don't 
don't know, maybe 20% of it happened and the rest of it was like intuitive and based on your guys' feedback and everything. And I feel like we all co-created yeah. the result. And yeah. I just feel like that's such a cool thing. And I feel like that's what you do with your clients too. Oh, And I like, I love that we have so many similarities and just different outlets that we put them on, but I love it. I love the speakeasy. I love that you stand for all of their possibility and like all of their work, not go beat your butt in the dirt. No. Eat good, sleep, no. self-care, positivity, like yeah. all of it. It's so powerful. I, I freaking love my clients. I always have. I know you have. Uh, they're rhinos. They're my family. People always ask me, aren't you going to have kids? And I'm like, I have 600 rhinos. I have 600 rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> so just before I even forget, can you tell everybody like the names of your gyms in Vegas? <laughs> yes, yes. So I have uh, two camp rhino gyms and those are just awesome. Like, they're just, they're, they're these gyms where you come in and on the walls are written like no negativity no bullying no egos like mm -hmm. you just come in and you're loved and mm -hmm. we have amazing workouts we have rhino fit which are more strength and then we have the boot camp workouts yeah. boot camp we're the towing your truck through a flash flood towing your truck through a flash flood now it's more towing sleds and nice air conditioning with turf <laughs> but whatever <laughs> <laughs> and then I have the Ninja Warrior Gym, my Rhino Ninja Gym, and I have two uh, amazing ninjas running that. And we have the little, we have a little gym next door for five to seven year olds with all miniature little warped wall, miniature little. <laughs> Brans Branson will be there next year. And then I have eight to thirteen year olds, and then uh, thirteen and over. And a topic for another day is Ninja Warrior is a sport that makes everybody just feel super powerful and mm -hmm. like little girls, like they can be in this sport that they're not judged on their, you know. Uh, bodies and, and little leotards and things like that like they're 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 celebrated their strength is celebrated totally. and it's an individual sport but it's actually a team sport because you're on a team and everyone on your team is rallying around you as you're in the spotlight yep. and everyone's yelling like beat that wall like it's yep. just it's so such a powerful thing and i'm i think ninja warrior is the one thing that can beat out video games if yep. you have kids that are playing video games and you want them to be more active my mom always said that video games kept her kids out of the streets and so she loved it and we're in Vegas in the bad part of town. And, and so it was great that my brothers were doing that instead of other things. But Ninja Warrior, look in your town if you're not in Vegas and, and find one. Because kids that aren't interested in sports, they usually really get into Ninja Warrior. My son. There we go. That was interesting. Did it save that, the rest of it? That was interesting. So we're in Montana. <laughs> and I live here. And we just had a rolling power outage. And Julie and I just brought the heat and took the power out. That's right. I love Not it. In. So what I was going to say is uh, before the power, and luckily we lose, I lost the feedback and I was like, oh, we're not here anymore. <laughs> I'm here for it. But I was going to say, you talk about these ninja gyms. My son, who you met last night, um, he's four and he is extremely high energy. Like my mom, like my wife, like me, don't tell me to sit in circle time. Like I got too much to get out. And our little hack for him is ninja gymnastics every week. And he loves it. And it, it took some time for him to realize like how to direct his energy. But like my four-year-old's doing pull-ups, like not assisted. Like my four-year-old is legitimately like doing pull-ups. And I walk in the other day and I'm doing like hollow rocks and I'm like, and they like trick them because they don't get the body position. So they put like a pole in their hand above head. And I'm like, oh, you guys are good. I'm like, my kid's going to be like a jacked Olympian at like eight, but he loves it. It's so much energy. It's so much expression. It's awesome. And so I'm totally here for that too. And I thank you for doing that. Like I love, like, I can't wait to bring him to Vegas and let him play in the gym. And I, daddy secretly loves doing backflips and like I, my physical therapist. So what's your end goal? Like to be able to do a standing back talk when I'm 80. 
And he's, I don't think anybody's ever said that. I'm like, I want to walk on my hands. I want to do a standing back tuck. I was like, I want to be the grandpa that can climb higher in the tree, bounce more. I can still, at this day, still do double backs on the trampoline, and I can still play those games. And I was like, I just want to play. That's my version of fitness now. It's like just being able to play with my kids, play with my grandkids. And thank you for creating a space that you can do that. I'm going to rapid fire you now. I was just going to say, most of my clients, that's what they want, is they want to just have longevity they yeah, want their brains totally. to work so they can have clarity for their business and my it. body hurts enough from all the torture yeah. for all the years like yeah i like literally everyone's yeah. oh you didn't vent i'm like yeah this morning i went to the chiropractor i went to physical therapy then i saw a second chiropractor and a second <laughs> physical therapist in one day yes and i'm like so there's some there's some residuals yes. <laughs> from those yes. three mile burpee broad jumps in the middle of afghanistan oh, yeah. All right, so I want to know, what is your all-time favorite food? And I can't wait to hear this one. Bread? Like what, like King's Hawaiian rolls? No, like fresh baked bread Mm. out of the oven. There's a picture of me at four with a King's Hawaiian roll in my mouth and one in my hand laying in bed shirtless. Although those are great. And I was a chunky little boy. My wife saw that picture after marriage. She's like, makes sense now. (laughs) Makes sense now. And I was like, yep, I'm here for it. Bread. (laughs) You know what? I got to give a shout out. My buddy Clay Hebert, Angie Lee's boyfriend, uh, brilliant marketer. And then uh, my buddy Jeff, who's the COO of Soul CBD. They're both addicted to making their own sourdough. And so they make it and then they ship it to me in Montana. Oh. And so like they baked me a fresh jalapeno cheddar sourdough loaf and put it in the mail the same day. I'm here for that. Oh, that's amazing. That is heavenly. That is heavenly. All right. Mountains or beach? Mountains. Mm. I love beach too, but at mountains, I feel like I could look at the mountains forever. Me too. And so the ocean, I don't know. I, I don't like, like, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like ocean sand on my feet, Oh. but I'm okay with I like, like hearing it outside of the window though. Totally. I'm, I'm yeah. the same way. I'm yeah. the, I'm a mountain guy. Hence why I live in the yeah. mountains in Montana. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Favorite ever book. No, don't have a no? favorite ever. I have 10 that I'm top in right now. Oh, oh, you're like that. I and like I like, so that's my new addiction right now. Yeah. You can ask my brother and my boyfriend. I have so many books coming yeah. like, all the time. I always trade one addiction for another. What's a, what's a, what's a big takeaway that you've gotten from a book? Like one that's stuck with you. It just depends on what season I'm in. That little book of clarity. Was oh, pretty, that's a good one. That was pretty impactful. <laughs> I'm shocked that on was, how big of an impact that book had on my life. Yeah, that was, but, uh, but Mike Michalowicz, oh. Profit First. That like pretty much saved my business. Yeah. So you have to give credit where credit's totally. due I, on that. Mike deserves credit for basically making yeah. hundreds of thousands of successful entrepreneurs. And Mike's, all of Mike's books, Pumpkin Plan, Clockwork, yeah. Fix This Next, Profit First, and I'm missing one. But they're all absolutely amazing. He's authentic with sharing his story. That's, that's, I know. that's I love, how Profit First grabbed me when he was talking love about it. his struggles in business. I was like, this is a guy who can actually help me because all this high-level financial advice that you, you get from people when you're in debt and you don't know how you're going to make payroll, it's not very helpful. No, no. Yeah. I, I, I love his like human approach and like he's so yeah. down to earth. And I was going to have- I went and won two brain gym of the year for revenue after reading profit first. Mm. I got, I pulled myself out of debt. That was when I did the nutrition thing yep. and went and yeah, won, won that award. That That's a, it's wow. a giant swing. Yeah. Like we're not just talking about making an extra couple thousand dollars. We're, no. we're talking about that's six figures, multiple yeah, six figures. Seven. I was going to have Mike on the show. Mike is so busy now. He will only commit to 15 minute shows. That's okay. And He'll I, come back. And I was like, Hey Mike, <laughs> I'm going to say no. 
right now. And I was like, but I'm going to annoy you. And I'm going to annoy you for a long time. And I'm going to get you on the show for a full 90 minutes. You should get him on for 15 and he's going to want to come back. No, I know. I, I, I got him. He, his team's absolutely amazing. Okay. I He's great. And actually, one of his like number twos is a really good friend of mine. I'm going Perfect. to have him come on and talk about Fix This Next because I love that book. Oh, yeah. It's such a good one. If you, What's your like all-time favorite exercise? Like mine is ring muscle-ups. Oh, I really handstand walks. Yeah. Uh, I like them when I'm proficient at them, but when I'm out of practice, I don't like them as much because I feel like a rookie. Well, I'm not good at them right now. I tried out on the grass yesterday, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I, uh, that wasn't – but I like them because they're fun and they're playful. They do. I do. And I always, I always feel like Superman every time I'm, like, solid and horrible. <laughs> I, used to, I used to practice handstands religiously, and I'll remember, like, my first 60-second hold. I was like – I'm going to take over the world. I can stand on my hands for 60 yeah. seconds. I'm taking over the world. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's, yeah. I love it. What was your favorite again? Uh, ring muscle ups. Ring muscle ups. Those, because it's like you're flying. So actually swinging across the rings in, in Ninja Warrior, a giant set of rings. Yeah. That, that has to. Yeah. I feel like anything that like makes me feel like a monkey. Yeah. Anything where you're flying. Playful. I love it. Or busting down a trail when I'm in good shape. Though That's the thing. Yeah. The trail running. Like when I'm not in good shape. It's that doesn't fun. feel good. No, during the pandemic, we were living up in our mountain house in yes. Mammoth at 9,000 feet. And I went, quote unquote, trail running after about a year of not running. And I, I feel like I was trail falling with gravity down. <laughs> and every step was painful. Yes. And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go walk. I'm just going to yeah. walk. I'll enjoy yeah. the scenery. You said that the other day. You're like, oh, I feel like downhill or mountain biking is better. You can see much more scenery. I'm like, no, I appreciate the same scenery as long as I'm walking. <laughs> I'm good. Take it easy. All right. Best place for people to find you. Find out more about you. Oh, yeah. I'm Rhino Julie. Rhino Julie. Everywhere. You are Rhino Julie. And just so Rhino everybody Julie knows, everywhere. like, I really everywhere. Like, I made her name placard say Rhino Julie. Everything yeah. in our system is Rhino Julie. She is Rhino Julie. I respond to Rhino. Rhino. Uh, that's yeah. what I respond to. We call to. her Rhino. And uh, RhinoJulie.com. But really, Rhino Julie anywhere. And reach out to me. I have some cool things coming up. And you do. I love people who really love food. Yes, you do. And they're positive and like entrepreneurs. Ah, my heart just, I, I love putting groups together for those people. So. Was dinner good last night? Oh, it was so good. It was so good. What'd yes. you get? Yes, I had carne asada and I asked for the flour tortillas because they were homemade. If they're yeah. homemade, I'll do the flour instead of the corn. Smart. That looked really good. Yeah, it was delicious. I'm going to eat those leftovers for and, dinner tonight. And uh, they listed the desserts and I was like, man, I want a bite of each of those is what I was thinking. And, uh, but I wasn't going to say anything because usually I, I don't have dessert, especially if I have flour tortillas. But yep. then George said, we'll have three of each. And yep. I was just so happy. I was like, what the, what a great end to a great day. I was like, I like it. Let's just eliminate yeah. choice. Let's yeah. just bring them all out. Yeah. And they were all, I was all here good. for all of them. They were good. They were good. The flavors. Yeah. All right. My favorite last question. So yeah. right in this moment, you have the ability to tattoo everybody's soul who's listening. You get to tattoo one message on their soul that they're going to take with them. For the rest of their life, rest of eternity, it's the only thing that they're going to take away from this podcast is what you say to them. What would you tattoo on everybody's soul? And when you take care of yourself, all of a sudden you have this love for yourself that expands to a love for humanity unlike anything you have ever felt. And it, it's this energy that just courses through you and it's easier than you think. It's so much easier than you think. It's just one one thing done consistently, drinking more water, eating more vegetables, 
moving for a minute a day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be an hour. And those those consistent behaviors add up. And then all of a sudden you start doing more and more to make yourself feel better and better. And then all of a sudden, like you have a clarity to run your business. You, you want to just love on people. You're not irritated by people anymore. It's just the most incredible feeling in the world. And I didn't feel that feeling until 2015, 11 years into running my business because mm. I still hadn't taken care of myself. And then you add the meditation. Oh, and it's just all amplified. I just love it. Peaceful. There's no end game right now other than just being right here in this moment. And it's just peace and it's just happiness and love and joy. And and you guys can do it. It's closer than you think. It's easier than you think. Let me know if you need help. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for and being Rhino here. Tough. And Rhino Tough. <laughs> and it's all about Rhino. So thank you for being here. For everybody listening, this has been another episode of the Mind of George show where I believe it belongs in a straitjacket. So I just give it to you in doses that you can take. And that's why we call it the Mind of George show. Remember, the relationships will always be algorithms. And I will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, it's time to cue the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.